0: hey this episode's film contains scenes of suggestive sexual and physical violence along with other content that might be difficult for some listeners if those topics could cause you distress please skip this episode and we'll see you next week for a fun musical romp that's also punk in its own way Often called the gay Thelma and Louise by people who thought Thelma and Louise were just roommates, it's Greg and He's The Living In on tonight's episode of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association.
1: Oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> I'm Nato
0: Kinch. And tonight they are
2: really good friends, okay? <laughs>
0: i'm nato kitch and tonight we're going on a road trip with two of my favorite road trip stereotype characters first up she controls the radio or else it's milia
2: hi i'm the uh, suspicious hiker or sorry i'm the shady hiker that you pick up off the side of the road with a very suspicious looking duffel bag is there a human body lying inside it who knows? I'm just going the same direction that you're going, and I can be found at the Nefarious Navigator on
1: Instagram. It sure smells <laughs> like
0: it. <laughs> Next up, they started out as a hitchhiker. Now, they are, now they're now they our best friend.
1: It's Ro. Hi, I'm Ro, and when I'm not asleep in the back seat, you can find me at the gas station picking out all the most bomb snacks. <laughs> and you can find me on twitch.tv slash susqueenro.
0: Gregoraki, also known by me as Sexually Fluid Daddy, is one of the most important figures in new queer cinema, uh, which was the queer's answer to new French cinema, since all queer people hate the French. And now it's history time. Everyone say yay. Yay! yay. Thank you for humoring um, <laughs> I know how much everyone loves history here. New queer cinema covers a lot of films, but the way that most people see it is as is as a rejection of homonormativity. These are the stories that focus on queer people rejected from society, not people who fit into society and, for the most part, rebel against heterosexual culture and the assimilation into it by many queer people. This isn't your grandpa's queer cinema. This is new queer cinema. Uh, except kind of was queer cinema, just with the... It's like how grunge took a lot of the ideas of punk and made something similar, yet distinctively theirs. You can point to previous queer artists like Derek German and John Waters and even non-queer directors like Jean-Luc Godard uh, to see ingredients that came together to form new queer cinema. Which brings us to 1991, also known as the year Smells Like Teen Smear dominated everything. We all remember it. We were all there, right?
1: Um, sure.
2: Kind of. I was in a developing country, very removed from what was happening here. I I was
1: a twinkle in my mother's ovaries. I
0: was three. Hey,
1: me too. High five. so it, wait you mean i'm the baby here
0: <laughs> i think so does that make amelia <laughs> and me the mommy and the daddy Sweet.
2: <laughs> oh god
0: <laughs> so in 91 the term new queer cinema was coined by b ruby rich commenting on the number of films making the festival circuit that depicted queer characters as outsiders and not in roles we expect protagonists to occupy Honestly, though, I like Queer Grunge better as a title, because that's kind of what it was. It's slacker culture, it's punk, it's everything sucks, and it's not getting better. And as someone who was three at the time, uh, I'm there for it. Yeah, like, I was really into Nirvana when I was three, um... (laughs) And if if new queer cinema was grunge, then Rocky was his Courtney Love. And by that I mean that some people hate him, some people love him. Uh, He morphed his style into what he wanted numerous times, and he is undoubtedly one of the most important queer filmmakers of the time. So let's get to his first big hit, The Living End. The Living In focuses on John, a film critic who has recently been diagnosed with HIV who meets Luke, an HIV-positive drifter. They end up going on a road trip with no destination after Luke kills a cop and John has an existential crisis due to his life up to this point and what he perceives as a death sentence. So that's enough of me talking. What did y'all think of the film?
1: Um, this film did a lot of really interesting things. I think one thing that I mentioned at my notes in the very end is that um and for me who's a very musically minded person like it stuck out immediately to me that this movie doesn't really have any music in it unless the characters are actively listening to music. The focus is all about the character Uh, the characters, what they're talking about, what they're doing, and what they're feeling. And there's no kind of place in that for music, which I thought was really interesting. It really kind of sets a dark tone for this movie.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I um... am... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I am... I really liked the uh the punk feel of this movie. Um
1: Oh, yeah. Just like this Absolutely. this felt
2: very authentically just like punk to me. Um you have all sorts of just like it opens up with like somebody doing graffiti. Uh at one point somebody's literally just graffitiing with a Sharpie. Hold on, I have it written down exactly what the quote was. I blame society. Yeah, like somebody literally writes like is graffiti with a sharpie I blame society on like a thing. Um
1: I think that was Luke.
2: I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's that's right, that was Luke. Um
1: Doesn't he also later like graffiti onto a telephone box uh-huh. uh John and he's a, John and Luke till death do us part? He's a
0: very, very <laughs> naughty boy with all those sharpies.
1: <laughs> he's edgy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you think that um I mean this movie does have like a real punk feel to it and a lot of that has to do sort of with uh, a lot of Gregor Rocky's other works also have similar sort of like punk devil may care attitude Um, do you think that this movie's sort of politics and ideas also like lean towards that punk leftist mentality
1: oh definitely (laughs) when they're like (laughs) When he come, when Luke comes to John and tells him that he's killed a cop and they need to, like, leave now, (laughs) he's like, I'm pretty sure I smelled dead pork. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) If that's not, if that's not the most punk thing that's ever been said in a movie, I don't know what is. Um, Also, um, I forget the context, but at some point there was a rant that Luke was going on where he was talking about, like... Republican, neo-Nazi, this and that, and it feels kind of very of this time. Even though the movie was made in nineteen ninety-one, it feels like like he had a time machine, honestly, yeah. and he was looking at the future and talking about now.
2: And I think that's really mm. interesting because I think we, you know, we've seen a lot of movies. I think of <coughs> queer cinema from like the two thousands um a couple of things from the 90s i think at this point but really like for the most part i think a lot of those movies don't necessarily stand up to like the politics and ideals of 2021 you know um this movie does i think in that sense
1: it really kind of like gives off this punk's not dead vibe yeah
0: I was gonna say we probably should watch a conservative gay movie sometime, and then I remember we already watched Stonewall, so I think we're good. Um, I like how Stonewall is just
2: kind of we, we filled our church.
1: quota for this year at least. <laughs> um, I th- we don't we don't have to do another one until 2022. Thank God,
0: Stonewall Two. Oh God,
1: Revenge of Corn Stonewall. Stonewalled.
0: <laughs> um. I I want to discuss each of our mains since the scope of the story is very small. So let's talk about uh, Luke first. Um, What are your thoughts about his character, your impression of him, and
1: maybe give sort of uh, your description of him? Uh, Luke, honestly, like, he's kind of that guy that you hate to love and love to hate. You know what I mean? He's... Very edgy, he's very violent, and he's very, like, in the now. He's got this mentality that he doesn't want to live to get old.
2: Yeah, he's exactly the kind of person that I would have gone for if I was in the same mental space as John. (laughs) You know, just like this kind of devil-may-care, like, you know for lack of a better term like you know bad boy type of persona you know like fuck the system like fuck everything i'm gonna oh go, yeah like you know live life on my own if it... type of deal
1: <laughs> it's almost If it wasn't for all the murder he would kind of be like the ultimate problematic boyfriend yeah, It's absolutely.
0: almost like he hears your heartbeat to the beat of the drums oh what a shame that you came here with someone so while you're here in my arms <laughs> oh, let's God. make the most of the night like God. we're gonna die young.
1: <laughs> <laughs> somebody's been spending too much time on tiktok
0: <laughs> no i just know that song by heart um <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such
0: a great song <laughs> it, it, it is I, I small tangent i actually tricked someone who was like completely <laughs> anti-kesha into loving the song and it was like he's like who wait who is this this is this song is not awesome. and like it's kesha he's like no um so i sp-
1: actually was listening to kesha's newer stuff recently and kind of reflecting on her whole situation um, we we stand Kesha here at the gay acapulco. Yes, uh, Kesha. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> back, back to the
0: film. <laughs> Sorry, that was my fault. Um, so, it, if 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 Lucas sort of like chaos, then I guess by comparison, John is order. In your
1: opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's got a job. He's got a place. He's got a car. He's got an inflatable um, Godzilla. And he's got HIV. And he's really, like, bummed about it. Yeah.
2: And he's reacting to a situation. And, like, you know, towards the end of the movie, he, like, wants to go back to not... Having chaos, (laughs) he's literally like, "Okay, this is as far as I'm going." You know, like,
1: which is totally understandable. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, major a major crisis like that, like getting diagnosed with something that, like, you know, back in those days, was kind of like, I think, thought of as a death sentence.
0: It's kind of oh, absolutely. It's a little. not funny, haha, but like funny. Oh, um, that like the I, I believe like the first scene that stands out to me is just like the diagnosis of HIV, and we see like John's reaction to the news in direct contrast to like a doctor saying, you know, there's been improvements and it's not some such a death sentence as it once was, and we've made significant improvements since then um but it's just like even though it was it had in like the 90s some level of being able to be managed um it was still perceived as you know a death sentence and that's kind of the mentality that John takes into this entire adventure
1: right yeah. it's i think very I th- much like um
2: Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of that was just how society perceived it in those days and like the kind of narrative around AIDS. Um, I just like the reason I say that, like that whole scene, I don't know, like it just kind of reminded me of like the, the fear mongering videos that like they would show us in like youth group you know, in like the 2000s about like, this is what happens if you have sex, you're going to catch AIDS. And this is what happens if you catch AIDS and it'll like, you're going to
1: get pregnant and die. Yeah,
2: exactly. And it would show just like, you know, just shock images essentially of like worst case scenarios, you know? And like, I don't know. It just, that whole scene and like his reaction to it, juxtaposed to the doctor, like talking about the reality of it, like, and, in the moment, it just reminded me of that so much. Like this misinformation
0: around it, honestly That's kind
2: of permeates society.
0: Yeah, and it's and that kind of like fear mongering still goes on today. Uh, yeah, like we're we're seeing it now um, with <laughs> basically every day. You see it with like. Uh, all these conspiracy theories like qanon and it's just it's kind of depressing that like yeah. um people who subscribe to sort of like the q idea actually believe stuff like you know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or you know satanists and you know the sacrifice KFK
1: <laughs> is going to come back from the dead
0: stuff like that and um And it's just like, how do you fight that kind of misinformation? Um, But I think... I think as sort of... um, I think one of the scenes that really got to me was the first uh, sort of um, night together that Luke and John had where uh, you see John sort of, like, struggling to admit to Luke that he's HIV positive. Um, And then Luke, who's also HIV positive, just goes, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And I think that was, you know, for the... That's kind of powerful to see that kind of mentality.
1: Right. And you can kind of see how John would feel like, at least in that moment, kind of liberated by that sentimentality. Um, And it also kind of shows you how John would then go uh, cross-country with this guy. Um, Like, he was, like, in a very, like, emotionally needy place at the time. And Luke happened to come by and say the right things mm-hmm. at that he needed to hear at the time so
0: i think it's also um, because
1: luke also came back like
0: it's kind of the the rejection mentality and like i <laughs> i've done it quite a few times um it's just, it's like you know you you have a date but it there's never a second one, and so when the guy, and so when you have a date with someone you might not be as interested in, and they come back, you kind of fear that you're not going to get another chance, so you go with that one even if they're not the best decision yep. for
1: you. Yep, you're like, oh, I guess this is the one because they're the only one who wants to take time out of their day to spend time with me. Yeah, but
0: we what we do get is this very interesting sort of time is a relevant road trip. Um, and I was wondering about your thoughts about the actual trip itself and your interpretations about like uh, its impact on John and Luke respectively.
1: Um, I think it's kind of clear at least to me from the beginning of the road trip that they're really like not meant for each other. Mm-hmm. And that John is only doing this because he's, like, craving something emotionally. Like, very desperately. Because um, any way you look at it, these two are not compatible. <laughs> yeah. They're
2: not. It's really a trauma-bonding road trip. And I think, like, a lot of situations where you're growing in some way, right? You know, you're having to overcome some, like, massive hurdle or, like, life obstacle type of deal. Um, You know, those things a lot of the time make you grow as a person and you grow different directions from people. Um, And I think that's, you know, kind of what the road trip functioned as was just kind of that journey of learning right. something about yourself through this trauma. <clears throat> and Luke how... is
1: like a support group with a gun.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you remember... I don't remember what season it was, but did, did y'all ever watch extensively, like, uh, The Venture Bros? No. Oh, okay.
1: Um, Here and there... there, uh, yeah. There's
0: one season opener that has... If I remember correctly, it's like Brock Sampson, like chasing after Dr. Venture, who's just like on like a denial, uh, like uh, 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 sabbatical. <laughs> and he's just like chasing him through like random places because he doesn't want to like face reality. I th- that's kind of my interpretation of it is that um, John is running away from, from everything until he's ready to actually deal with it. Um,
1: yeah, cause there, there is at some point that point where John's like calls his friend Darcy, right? And he's like, I am ready to come home now. mm -hmm. And it took him a long while to get to that place. And I
0: mean, I'm just going to say like some people, you know, they need, you know, breaks to figure shit out. And sometimes it takes a while. Yeah. Um, And
2: sometimes you do some things that are not ideal while you're trying to figure those things out.
0: Yeah.
1: you know, sometimes you rob a bank. Sometimes you shoot a cop. Sometimes you fuck up some homophobes who are coming after you with baseball bats. Uh, Uh, it happens.
0: (laughs) Speaking of regrettable things. uh, So I hate rent as a movie. (laughs) Um, i I don't think that's gonna shock anyone here and and one of the things i hate most about it is this like trope that if a character has a life-threatening illness and is predictably gonna die most likely to help the main character gain a new perspective on life or some shit like that like they have to be like this saint
1: saintly person who can like do no wrong Actually, well, I mean, they did name the character Angel, so what did you think was gonna happen?
0: Overcome through faith?
1: <laughs> mm, fair
2: Wait, but doesn't angel have a whole song about how she killed a dog, though, so like <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> yeah, isn't she really likes somebody that can do no wrong. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying the the way the characters like treated the uh, angel specifically, uh, yeah, is something you see she a lot. Ended
1: up becoming like a martyr, yeah. and it's
0: not it's not only for like rent, but it's like other movies too. Like you know, cancer for a while was like this thing where it's like, well, I went to the doctor, it's definitely breast cancer, um, and you know they were treated like <laughs> <Nice>. as. <laughs> they were treated as you know you know almost like you know they were martyrs in a way um but i actually like that this movie sort of it it doesn't treat its characters like they're flawless because they're eventually going to succumb to illness i like that they were still full characters and I don't look at them and go, Oh, yeah, that's the character, that's the face of childhood cancer right there. I can't think <laughs> of anything else except for the fact that they died of childhood cancer. You know, I, I like that I can actually like remember the characters and like things about them. And that even though they both were HIV positive, it didn't necessarily define them as a whole.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really just, like... It was obviously something that was touched on in the story, but it wasn't, like, a point that was, like, hammered into your head. You know what I mean? Like...
1: It it wasn't
0: preachy.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And I know Luke, especially, was very, like, adamant about that, where he was like, I don't want this to be the thing that defines me. I want to... Um I want to basically die young in in my own way. I want to go out the way that I plan to go out so that it doesn't become a thing that defines me.
0: Because He wanted to hear your um, heartbeat like the beat of (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs)
2: Exactly.
0: Um I like that song. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm 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 absolutely certain. Die young by Kesha is actually about this movie. Um, I'm not. Uh, don't. That's that's not real. Um, <laughs> I think there's so much about this movie that like is is very memorable. It's almost like because. It's drama is, is taken very seriously, but there's also like a lot of uh, absurdist situations like thrown in there. Like, uh, the three stooges. Um, I guess like, uh, would you even call it like a, a, an early homage to like Thelma and Louise when Luke's in the car with, uh, um, when he steals the car from the, uh, two ladies at the beginning
1: maybe um i actually thought that scene was really interesting it kind of set the tone for the whole movie Mm -hmm. like as soon as soon as the lady driving that car pulled out a gun i was like oh okay we're in for some violence
2: yeah this movie's (laughs) gonna
1: have this movie is gonna have a body count i better like Gird my (laughs) loins. I was
2: not expecting that from this movie, too. Like, that was kind of a surprise. I was like, oh. Um, but
0: yeah. And just like little things like, you know, the inflatable Godzilla, how artsy Dartsy is, you know, um, artsy Dartsy, that's her name now. Um,. The the references to, you know, queer artists like Derek Jarman and Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. it's just like, there's a lot of personality in this movie um, that I really like welcome because like I'm so used to just like overly dramatic films.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and this one is, it's more like a John Waters film than it's, <laughs>
1: than it needs to be. Right. And I think... uh, I wonder what the director's approach was when he was talking with his actors. Because the actors very much, like, made this movie seem like... It wasn't overacted. It wasn't underacted. It felt very real. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even, Even though there was... Kind of this air of absurdity to the whole thing. Um, it felt very real. A lot of early like Gregor Rocky. These were actually, yeah, like uh,
0: ha- a lot of Gregor Rock. Early Gregor Rocky has that feel, and like sometime after Mysterious Skin, I guess around like his uh, his high comedy smiley face um, was when wait. he. F-
2: this is directed by the guy that directed smiley face yes (laughs) oh that's amazing (laughs) sorry i love that movie go
0: on (laughs) um is is sort of like down-to-earthness uh uh kind of or like his style of directing actors kind of changed around smiley face (laughs) i i think is a is a good assumption (laughs) because smiley face is not at all like this movie (laughs) and uh kaboom and uh let's see now apocalypse which are very similar also they're kind of like they're not overacted but they're very stylistically energetic is that is that like a did I make that up? <laughs> um, but yeah, for
1: a while I, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down.
0: <laughs> for a while though, like Gregoraki was like just really good at sort of like getting really muted and subtle yet memorable performances out of actors. Like he was one of the first people who worked with Rose McGowan. Um, okay. And I, in Doom generation, and I think Doom Generation was actually one of the reasons that she got charmed. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Doom Generation is a wild ride. <laughs> um, but speaking of wild rides, rides always have to end. Um, so let's talk about the ending and the main reason we have a content warning for this episode. Um, So after a tumultuous road trip, John decides to go home and presumably part ways with Luke, who has become quite attached uh, at this point to John. This leads to Luke trying to convince John... Oh, go
1: ahead. (laughs) Like, unhealthily attached.
0: This leads to Luke trying to convince John to stay with him by knocking him out, tying him up, and raping John while Luke has a gun in his mouth prepared to commit suicide if John rejects him. But when he pulls the trigger but when Luke pulls the trigger, the gun doesn't go off. Uh, Luke lets John go, only for John to come back to Luke, and they sit together on the beach as the film ends.
1: So who wants to go first? I mean, yeah, I've kind of alluded to the fact all episode that Luke has this very kind of definitive like, idea about how he wants to die, and this is it like he wants to die midgoidus like <laughs> on an e- like basically on an ecstasy high not not the drug ecstasy but the feeling ecstasy and he's told john kind of throughout the movie that he wants john to be the one to pull the trigger but of course once john decides that he he's kind of over it and he wants to go home, um, that's not really an option anymore. Well,
0: John actually kind of does pull the trigger because he says, you know, just do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he does kind of goad him on.
2: Yeah.
1: But th- that decision is entirely Luke's because Luke is the one who's holding the gun. What do you think, Amelia?
2: I don't know. I thought the ending (laughs) honestly fit in very well with the rest of the movie um, for me. I don't know. Like, just given, like, his mental state and then he just, like, suffers further trauma and, like, you know, like, like Ro was saying earlier, like, it's not a relationship that's good for either of them or that should be, like, what they're doing. But, you know, they're still kind of in the throes of, like, traumatic situations that are going to keep them probably repeating the same patterns. So, I don't know. Like, for me, that ending fit very well, I
1: thought. Right. And just before then, there's that monologue. You remember, it was a really interesting monologue about how, and I don't know if any of the characters on, str- on screen were speaking because they don't really show anybody speaking. But there was a really interesting monologue about how the speaker had seen a lady take a dive off a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And, like, you really get the sense at that point that we're gearing up to have, a, like, a really close look at death. Yeah about the idea, about the conversations surrounding death, about how we want to live and how we want to die. Um, It's very kind of, it's very jarring.
2: Yeah. I think...
0: You you could say it makes your heart beat to the beat of the drums. (laughs) 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 What a shame. (laughs) That he <laughs>
1: oh, what a shame that you dove <laughs> off a of skyscraper. <laughs> See, uh, uh,
0: I have a slightly different read on it. Um, because, like... Uh, um, I, I, I think trying to understand while not condoning the actions can give more weight to the story. And I think my reading of the situation is that... As John gets more and more comfortable and uh, recovers from his, you know, shock and need to escape uh, to the to the point that he's ready to re-enter his life or go resume his life, um, Luke has been become so dependent on him that that idea kind of causes his own crisis, and so this is his attempt to remind john that they that he is the best that john can get so he's giving him basically he's giving him two important things that we've already seen in the film before the first is that he's giving him pleasure with sex or you know what he what luke thinks is giving him pleasure by giving him sex. And the other thing is he's basically putting the gun in his mouth to kill himself because the last time he did that, John stopped him. But this time, John tells him to pull the trigger. Wow. Um,
1: so that... Right. it It is worth mentioning that this is not the first time that Luke has appeared on screen with a gun in his mouth. Yeah. Right.
0: All the elements of this scene have been shown before in this film it's just they haven't been shown together and it's almost like we were seeing pieces of Luke through John's eyes before and we're finally seeing like this full picture of him yeah that's that's just my reading of it because I'm insane <laughs> i read too much and do things
1: um no i think it's a good reading yeah. i think it's a very accurate reading um i think over the course of the film, they kind of switch places, right? Because John, at the, at the beginning of the film, is very much dependent on Luke to fill this kind of live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse mentality. Um, and then, at the end of the film, um, Luke is kind of depended on john for the same reasons whereas john is very much like over it yeah without kind of go ahead no go ahead
0: i mean you're completely correct like uh without john luke has nothing because he's probably still has a manhunt on him he no longer has a car All he really has is, like, a credit card that's getting closer and closer to being maxed out. He doesn't have a confidant companion anymore. He'll be basically all alone again after having someone so close to him
1: that he basically has told him that he loves him. Um, Right. Whereas John started the movie with a very healthy and wonderful support system that he kind of ignored. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think through, I guess, a series of phone calls with, um, with what's her name again? Darcy. (laughs) Darcy. That's right. I guess through a series of phone calls with Darcy, he's kind of reminded of what exactly he's left behind Mm -hmm. and like, oh no, it's Daisy actually had it. Is it Daisy? No, I think it's Darcy. It is Darcy. There's,
0: we'll just go with Darcy. (laughs) Just overdub it later if it's Daisy. Um, I think,
1: (laughs) just get a clip of us each saying, Daisy. (laughs) Daisy. And then just insert it whenever needed. Um, But yeah, I think John eventually realizes that he has a support system already. And he always has had one. even though he's kind of chosen to ignore it in favor of kind of wallowing in his own feelings, which I get. I've been in the middle of doing that for a while now.
0: (laughs) I I want to kind of discuss the implications of John going back to Luke. Um... So, starting out, why, in your opinions, do you think that John went back to Luke?
2: That's comfortable. And also, I think that you were um, right in saying that, like, in some ways, like, he does feel like this is the best I can do at this point, right? Like, he doesn't really see too many options, I think, ahead.
1: Right. I think when you're, when you're faced with something like HIV that's potentially life-ending, it's hard to see beyond that sometimes.
2: Yeah.
1: Insert light-hearted
0: segue here. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... Do you, because depending on your outlook and depending on how you see the actions of the characters to this point, this is either a happy ending with an optimistic future or a sad ending with a future that's basically going to repeat these same events over and over again to a nauseam. Um do you, which side do you kind of like lean towards?
1: Um I personally when John at the end of the movie called Darcy and said I'm coming home, I feel like I tended to believe him in that moment. Like it does kind of end on this note of tenderness between John and Luke, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I, I at least hope that John would have his own best interest at heart enough that he would go back to go back to his friends and go back to his home and go back to his job and like, try and learn from this experience but that doesn't always happen you know but i feel like having somebody on top of you with a gun in their own mouth like that changes you (laughs) (laughs) or at least i hope it would
2: i think it would change most people (laughs) um i honestly wasn't left with either a positive or a negative like feel from that i was more kind of neutral where i felt like it was just symbolic for them like kind of staring off into the unknown you know like the uncertainty that is like ahead of them
0: well fine have your own opinions and don't
2: (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm basically a heretic um but like (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, like that, that was just kind of the sense I got for it. Like, you know, the audience nor the characters know whether they're going to be together, whether they're going to part ways at that point. Um, I do think he was earnest and, you know, saying that he's ready to come back home. But I think that was right before like the whole, you know, rape with the gun incident. Um, so who knows where they would have gone from there.
1: Yeah, it's kind of left very open-ended, um, and kind of open to interpretation Mm -hmm. do you think that
0: there was too much or too little of the relationship between darcy and john um or just the right amount
1: I think they established that Darcy is an important person to John, but I feel like I would have liked to have gotten a better sense of that when they were in the same space in person. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some interaction before John's uh, diagnosis, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I get that that's a really great place to open the story, but... I feel like if we had had at least a conversation between John and Darcy at that point, um, it would have set them up a lot better to have Darcy kind of act more as John's voice of reason.
0: Mm -hmm. So this was uh, Gregor Rocky's uh, first basically big film um and his breakthrough uh does this make you want to watch more of his filmography
1: yes
2: absolutely especially now that i know he's the director of smiley face this is
1: this is a strong film with very kind of in your face themes and i would love to see how his how his his, his filmography evolved from here
0: one short anecdote uh Gregor rocky actually like has a story about john waters going up to him at one point and they i i apparently they're they're like friends <laughs> john just goes like um you know, I like your films, but I prefer the old Gregor Rocky. And this is probably around the time of, like, Mysterious Skin. <laughs> <I'm> just like... <laughs> just like, let's separate Gregoraki into, like, uh, uh, eras. Right.
1: <laughs> um... There was a quip in the beginning of the movie about how... It's not the 70s anymore, nobody wants to marry bisexuals. <laughs> Which I think that's kind of like come back full circle. We're now like marrying like the, the people who know kind of know that like <laughs> having a bisexual spouse is kind of where it's at. Mm-hmm. We don't have to include this in the episode, but I thought that was kind of funny. It's
0: going in. Um <laughs> <No>! <laughs> <laughs>
1: just kind of as an end note
0: (laughs) i don't care what you say ro i like this movie all right so
1: let's
0: (laughs) let's sum this movie up amelia does this movie make you want to go on a road trip with someone you just had sex with or punch an innocent godzilla blow-up doll
2: It makes me want to go on... Sorry, I was just mentally... The image of me punching the Godzilla blow-up doll was really funny to me. Um, <laughs> yes. It makes me want to go on a road trip with someone I just had sex with.
0: Why would, you punch, sure. why would you punch the Godzilla blow-up doll? It didn't do anything to you.
2: I don't want to punch it. You just put that mental image in my head.
0: <laughs> Ro, does this movie want you... Does this movie make you want to have a best friend nice enough to get your mail and pay your bills or get attacked by a snake while pissing?
1: Um. After watching this movie, I'm ready to find me a problematic punk boyfriend and, like, just fuck my life right on up. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>
0: Anyway, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, gayekapod. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Nito Kitsch, reminding you that there's nothing (laughs) wrong with doing a background check on someone before committing to a relationship. Later.
1: (laughs) Bye! Bye! (laughs)